Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God the Father and from the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God, which we will consider today, is uh, recorded in the 20th chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel, beginning at verse 17, where we read as follows in Jesus' name. As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside And on the way, he said to them, Look, we are going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and experts in the law, and they will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles to mock, flog, and crucify him. On the third day, he will be raised. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling and asking something of him. He said to her, what do you want? She said to him, promise that in your kingdom, these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and one on your left hand. But Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? They said to him, we are. He said to them, you will indeed drink my cup, but to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not for me to give. Rather, these places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard this, they were angry with the two brothers. But Jesus summoned them and said, You know that the rulers of the nations lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It will not be that way among you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you will be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. These are the words. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, dear fellow redeemed, I never uh, have served in the military. I know there are those among us in our church who can speak from personal experience about what life in the service to our country is like. I do know this much, that recruits at boot camp are not and cannot expect to be waited on. Life is hard for a while as they learn the discipline of serving others. Our text this morning speaks about life lived as disciples of Jesus, life lived in service to our Lord. So today we note our theme, life in the service, and we note this, that it's not for those who want to be served, rather it is for those who want to be servants. Our Lord and Master Jesus didn't come here to earth in order to be served. In fact, this is how he spoke of the purpose of his coming. The Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and experts in the law, and they will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles to mock, flog, and crucify him. On the third day, he will be raised. This is hardly the itinerary of someone 
who came to rule and to receive earthly accolades and earthly honor. Though he is true God from eternity, Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. In him, God himself became an offspring of the human race. He became our brother. As true man, Christ cast aside his divine glory and authority. He humbly permitted himself to be beaten and crucified. Though he is the Lord over all people and over all things, he came in weakness as a human baby and lived his life mostly in obscurity and in poverty. Here in our text, he says that he had come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That word ransom is very important for our understanding of what Jesus has done for us. When a person has been kidnapped, the family will probably receive a message from the kidnappers telling that they should come up with a certain amount of money in exchange for the life and the freedom of their loved one. Unless that demand is met, the victim will die. So whatever the cost, the family tries to come up with the money. If it means selling everything they have and borrowing the balance, they're willing to do it in the hope that by this ransom, their family member will be released and returned. Here Jesus calls himself the ransom. He says that by giving his own innocent life on the cross, he would thereby make the payment that would redeem, set free sinners who otherwise would be lost forever. St. Paul tells us what this ransom consisted of. No amount of money, he said, God's dear son paid our ransom with his blood. And in the book of Revelation, Christ is praised by those with him in heaven. They sing, you were slain, and with your blood you bought us from every tribe and language and people and nation to be God's own. By his living as a poor, abused servant, by his dying on the cross, there's now salvation from sin for all people. By his death, God's anger has been appeased and turned away, and his justice has been satisfied. Now, for Jesus' sake, we are declared forgiven, justified, found not guilty. So the Bible says of Jesus, he was delivered over to death for our sins, and raised again for our justification. Jesus didn't come here to rule and to be served. He came to serve and to save. Continuing though in our text, we see that not everyone around him fully understood this. We read, then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling and asking something of him. She said, promise that in your kingdom, these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and one on your left hand. Like others who met the Lord, these two sons of Zebedee, this is James and John, and their mother, they assumed that by following him, 
they would thereby gain some earthly honor and distinction and glory for themselves. That because her boys were friends of Jesus, the mother thought they should have places of authority over others in his kingdom. That they should, along with him, rule and be served. Addressing the sons, Jesus answered, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup I am about to drink? They said to him, we are. Were they really sure what being disciples meant? Did they know their Lord would soon have to suffer like no one else in drinking to the bitter dregs the cup of God's wrath on behalf of every sinner in the world? They were wrong if they thought that Jesus was for them a free ticket on the gravy train, their gateway to honor and prestige. He said to them, you will indeed drink my cup, but to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not for me to give. Rather, those places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. The time would come when the two brothers, James and John, along with all the disciples, would have their share in Jesus' suffering, when they too would have to sip from that awful Savior's cup. But now, in his state of humiliation, choosing their places of honor was not up to Jesus. All of this was God the Father's choosing. Life as disciples of Jesus, life in the service. It's not for those who intend to be served. It is for those who want to be servants. When they heard about this request that the mother of James and John made of Jesus, the other disciples were angry and offended. Maybe their anger sprang in part from the fact that they themselves coveted and desired those very same places of honor in the coming kingdom. At any rate, Jesus knew that it was time to instruct all of them about what life is like in his service. In doing this, Jesus draws a sharp distinction between the way things work in the world and the way they are in his church. He said, you know that the rulers of the nations lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. Here in the world, those who are in the ruling class are to be served by those who are under them. It's annoying, but in fact that sort of behavior and, and activity is expected. It would seem strange to us, for example, if the owner of a large factory were the one who had to sweep the floor of the foundry at the end of the day, or if the general in the army was to peel the potatoes for supper that night. Rather, those in such positions can lord it over others, so that then when they give someone an order, it has to be obeyed at once. But in Christ's kingdom, it's different. In fact, it's tipped over. Jesus said, it will not be that way among you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you will be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you 
will be your slave. Here in the communion of saints, in the church, the fellowship of the believers, greatness is not determined by how many people are under you or who serve you. Rather, it's seen in the service that you render to others. In God's sight, the greatest are the least. The last are the first. They are not those who seek to be waited on and attended to with praise, but rather those who wait on others and who place the desires and the needs of their brothers and sisters above their own. In fact, as Jesus says here, the one who has the priority in the kingdom of God is actually the one who is in slavery to the others. A while back, I read a very sad account which described the practice of slavery in pre-Civil War Virginia. It would happen sometimes that a slave living and working on one plantation would for a while be rented out like a piece of farm machinery to another plantation. And so that slave would get up and walk to someone else's farm early in the morning. He would spend the day cutting wood, picking cotton, clearing stones from a field, and then he would walk back in the evening with the money that he had earned for the day. Wages, not for him to keep, but to be given over to the one who owned him. The income for the day's work, the thanks for it, would go to someone else. Now clearly such an arrangement in our minds is obscenely unfair. We would be furious if someone tried to impose such a system on us. And yet as disciples of our Lord and Savior, the Lord and Savior of the whole world, we can happily place ourselves into willing slavery to others because that's what Jesus himself did for us. In his giving of himself, he is both our example and our inspiration to live a life of service. The love he showed in humbling himself and suffering and dying for our sins compels us to love one another and to serve them. God, for his sake, forgives you and me all of our sins, including our sins of selfishness and self-importance, our lack of caring for the needs of others. The joy of hearing that good news that we are forgiven through Jesus Christ moves us to want to forgive others and even to place ourselves in service to them. So this is our station in life as Jesus' disciples that we are served by him with every needed blessing that when we come to church, he's here to serve us by handing to us this precious gift of forgiveness and life and salvation, to serve us as he comes to us in his body and blood with the bread and the wine of Holy Communion, to serve us and to save us. May we grow then in our knowledge of this discipleship, not seeking for ourselves the honor 
rather willingly serving our Savior by serving others. In his name, amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and shall be forevermore. Amen.